HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is so mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cook guests. My guest today is Marco Moreira, who is the chef owner of 15 East at Tocqueville in New York. He joined us in episode 28 and discussed his fascinating background, including how a young Brazilian man came to New York and became a sushi chef and shared his deep knowledge of Japanese food culture. And Marco has run highly successful multiple restaurants in New York with a wide variety of influences from Japanese, French, and Brazilian flavors. Another restaurant was affected by COVID, but Marco navigated tremendous challenges very well and opened a new restaurant called 15 East Tocqueville after the pandemic. And 15 East at Tocqueville is an innovative concept because Japanese food and French are served both authentically and seamlessly under one roof without being gimmicky. So today we'll discuss the unique concept of 15 East at, at Tocqueville, while Marco decided to the contrasting uh, culinary genres in one space, his point of view about how Japanese sushi has become mainstream of the American food culture, and much, much more. Uh, but before we start, Japan is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Spanish. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Marco Moreira. Hello, Marco. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Kiko. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, so for listeners who have not listened to your very intriguing life story in episode 28, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? 
Well, I was uh, born in Brazil. Um, I uh, my family is uh, mostly Italian and uh, also a little Iberian with a little French. But I, I was born in Brazil, and when I was 16 years old, I had the opportunity to come uh, to travel to New York City to to visit as as a young man. And that was in uh, 1982 when I first arrived here. Right. So it must have been a very impressive trip. It was an amazing trip. And honestly, one of the goals to be here was to uh, learn, uh, brush up my, my English. And and uh, and uh, at the end of my visit at six months, uh, I wasn't happy with, uh, I, I still needed more. I needed to learn more about the culture. I wanted to learn more about my, my, my more about my English, and so I decided to extend my trip. Mm, right, and one thing you didn't mention: uh, your uh, mother-in-law was Japanese, and he grew up eating kind of Japanese food, traditional Japanese food, right? Yes, actually, I'm uh, São Paulo is uh, it's a huge Japanese city for. Uh, the, the the Japanese culture, the lots of Japanese. Uh, I'm told them is the second biggest Japanese city in the world. Uh, certainly, the one that's the biggest outside of Japan. And my mother married a lovely lady who is uh, from Kyoto originally, whose family migrated to uh, Brazil in the fifties. So mm-hmm. uh, I was introduced to the culture very, 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 very early on. Mm, right. So, um, and also you, after you moved to New York, um, you decided to become a sushi chef. So, um, what happened? Well, um, sushi wasn't really my, uh, my dream, uh, to become an expert in, uh, it was really just the restaurant in general. And, uh, and and I didn't know if I wanted to be a chef or an operator or a sommelier or or I had no no idea. All I know is that when I uh, got the opportunity to learn in a restaurant, um, I, I was very very happy to just do whatever and and uh, learn so much and and get paid. So it, it seemed like uh, wow, I'm learning. I'm going to school and I'm learning and I'm getting paid. So but. Uh, Lucky for me, um, um, you know, in the 80s was a time where, uh, you know, Japan, the sushi cuisine was becoming really, really trendy and it was a novelty, really. Uh, and um, my uh, the boss uh, who I worked for, uh, Mori Fujisan, he said, uh, you know, um, after uh, trials of me making uh, sushi on my own for, for the family and after lunch service, you know, he'd let me play with the rice. And, and he said, eventually, you like it so much, I got you. I'm going to train you to be a sushi chef. And uh, I thought it was, uh, it was a joke, but, but it really wasn't. And so he took me under his uh, wing and he, um, he, he was a very good uh, sensei for me. Mm. I was very lucky. Right. Well, such an honor of thing because sushi chefs uh known for being difficult to to convince you to be <laughs> to take care of you. So yeah, you must be really good. Um yeah, so what part of sushi um attracted you so much? Well, um 
first of all, I'm a, I'm a huge foodie, and uh, what's not to like about beautiful raw fish and and the rice and but really uh, initially it was more the the culture. You know, I loved uh, the the camaraderie of the Japanese working together. Um, we actually had uh, little side projects that we did. Uh, he threw in some golfing, and it was a very tight family uh, like ambiance that uh, made me feel really at home and comfortable. And and uh, you know, uh, I had that feeling that I was being uh, taken care of. I was, I was. Uh, uh, I, I knew I was very lucky to have found the the uh, this opportunity. So initially, that was the the the, the first attraction, and then um, as I became uh, more advanced and I started making my own, you know, there's a it's a long process. You learn to uh, you know do the 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 the, the, the minor uh, preps, and you start learning how to make the rice and you know, your rice is never right. And, you know, you keep trying and consistency and perseverance. Uh, eventually, uh, being able to, to make my own sushi, it was, it was, it was just amazing. It was, it was really incredible. So um, what do I like about it? Um, I think I like all of it. I mean, I, uh, you know, every little plate that you prepare, it becomes your you know, you're a little child and you become uh, very proud of uh, that you're able to, to, to do that. So um, I was pretty young. I was uh, only, I was like um, 18 years old when I started. So, um, and um, so, so it, it sort of gave me a little bit of a direction also because I found my passion. You know, mm -hmm. I was lucky that I, I knew I wanted to be in the restaurant business and I had uh, given this uh, very special opportunity to learn uh, something that's very special, which is, you know, it's a specialty of, of cuisine, which is sushi. And uh, so I, I, um, I, I jumped on it. Mm, right. And then what's amazing about this Curia, <laughs> this is so interesting. So you also studied authentic French cuisine. So could you tell us where you worked and uh, what you learned from cooking French, and also what is the charm of classic French cuisine to you personally? Um, so, uh, being a, a sushi chef and, and being, uh, you know, someone that loved cooking, and I was around growing up, uh, amazing cooks. My mom, my grandmothers, my two grandmothers. Uh, you know, uh, the, the different melding cultures in Brazil. You have, you know, you have the Portuguese cuisine, the Spanish cuisine, the Italian cuisine. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, Lebanese and Syrian culture there. So we, we always loved food. And so um, I really didn't start cooking until after I learned how to uh, make uh, sushi. And but in tandem with learning about the sushi, I started learning also uh, just on my own uh, how to, uh, you know, uh, take, take uh, you know, cookbooks and, and start cooking on my own by myself. And, uh, you know, I never went to a cooking school. I just went to, uh, I went to uh, 
you know, I took little courses at the time. I went to the uh, New York Restaurant School. They used to be on Thirty uh, Fourth Street, and uh, and uh, I remember the first course that I took. It was called How to Boil Water, and uh, I loved it. I kept, I kept going. I took a few few classes there, how to bake, and but uh, it wasn't until I got into uh, like a professional kitchen that I, uh, you know, once given that opportunity, that I really started uh, to learn. You know, and I worked my way up and. Uh, just in, in restaurants. Mm. Right. And you worked at the Boulay? Did you? I did, yes. That, that was I... uh, a few years later. Uh, I had worked in some other restaurants before, but uh, I think, um, you know, the 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 chance to come to Stage at Boulay after having eaten there and had so many amazing restaurants in New York City and, and outside of New York, I... I once I saw what was going on in the kitchen at Boulay, I was like, wow, this is really what I need to be doing with my life. Like, this is really something extraordinary that you don't see every day. So I started my apprenticeship at, uh, at uh, you know, at finally, you know, I, I got an opportunity to, to go work there. Mm, right. So for listeners who are not familiar with Boulay, Boulay is uh, one of the most <laughs> important uh, restaurants in New York because it's not just a great restaurant. I, it's closed now, but um, it's kind of like a graduate school for great French chefs. So it's a it's a palace. It's a, an institution. So it's interesting how you classically both train yourself in Japanese and French cuisine. So yeah, very impressive. Yeah, it was it was really um, you know. Uh, you don't understand, uh, you know, I had never seen anything like it being uh, in that kind of environment. So, uh, you know, the the hours were long. Uh, it was a grueling. Uh, we never had time for anything. You're always behind. You never had the time. I, I, you know, you never uh, ahead of your work. And the days became even longer because you wanted to do even better every day. And uh, it wasn't just me. It was just everybody. We were all there uh, on a mission to produce the most beautiful, yet tasty uh, food in New York City. And, uh, you know, that definitely changed my perspective on food. Mm, right. So now uh, we see that at your restaurant, what you've learned and in both um, culinary genres. So we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dive into how Marco merges Japanese and French dining experiences in one place without diluting either. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. 
Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on Heritage Radio Network, HRN. I'm your host, Kiko Katayama, and my guest today is Marco Moreira, who is the chef owner of 15 East at Tocqueville in New York. So you opened 15 East at Tocqueville in October 2020 after the pandemic kind of started to come down. And we'll talk about the concept of the restaurant in a moment, but, um, well, but to get there, you had a bumpy road. So could you tell us what happened? Well, um, I was uh, fortunate to open my first restaurant in, uh, in the year 2000. Um, I was at the time working, uh, running the kitchen at the Mark Hotel in New York City. And, uh, and after a couple of years looking for, for a space, I was lucky to find uh, my, the ideal location, which is half a block from Union Square Farmer's Market. And so we we opened the, the restaurant in uh, February of the year 2000. So, you know, we we was we were um, you know we're definitely very lucky. We're uh, a hit a hit from day one. Uh, we did do very well. Uh, we we uh, definitely were noticed uh, very quickly. Uh, we we're more of a uh, uptown atmosphere restaurant with with the uh, downtown uh approach a little bit more uh a little more casual so i think it's it's uh this this uh, combination this style of uh restaurants have become uh, more popularized uh since i opened my restaurant right so that's the tocqueville uh that's the french restaurant tocqueville right correct yeah we opened yeah that was in 2000 right and um and um it, it was it was it was just amazing we're we're working you know the long hours and uh we 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 didn't count the hours we just loved uh loved life and yes there were lots of bumps uh you know uh, shortly after we opened we had 9/11 and we've had hurricanes and power outages and uh the the financial uh um the 2008 financial uh uh implosion you know that these are all you know part of the of of uh of all the bumps that we had uh, but we were lucky we we did very well we managed and uh we stayed on the mission we didn't change anything and then all six in 2006 uh we actually uh had the opportunity to uh uh, take over a space which was right on the block, just a few feet down from my original uh, space, and open, uh, reopen Tocqueville. Although we kept, we we wanted to keep the name because it was, uh, in my mind, was uh, just um, you know a bigger, better, nicer space. But it really was. Uh, we created something that uh, was you know different from the original um, Tocqueville. We quadruple in space and uh 
we had maybe 20% more seats than the original space, but uh, so a lot of the the uh, square footage that we uh, gained to, went towards the uh, uh, structure of the restaurant and infrastructure such as, you know, more kitchen space, more offices. Uh, we had a proper cellar. We had a locker room. Uh, we actually were able to put in a private dining room. And so, um, you know, it was, was uh, um, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the much improved uh, space uh, in, every, in every way, 20-foot ceilings. I mean, uh, it, it was uh, as beautiful as the original Tokyo was. Uh, the new space really uh, was uh, something that we, uh, you know, uh, didn't have any, didn't hold back. It was definitely a new, new restaurant. Right. And then you expanded to the sushi restaurant. 15 East, right? Yeah, so, so the, the, uh, the original space of Tocqueville, um, once we opened uh, at the new location, um, I always knew I wanted to do a Japanese restaurant. So I, at the time, uh, in 06, again, uh, you know, we were one of the first uh, sushi counters that uh, we offered our omakase menu only. So, uh, and we transformed that space into our modern Japanese restaurant. We had a, uh, uh, you know, a, a lengthy menu for the kitchen as well as the omakase counter as well. Mm, right. So the 15 East became really popular. And remember, there was like two beautiful spaces. One is a sushi bar. The other one is like dining room. And and it was such a special place. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And then, um, but, you know, <laughs> after that, I mean, the COVID happened. And uh, so eventually... Uh, you merged the two restaurants, right? So Tocqueville and 15 East, uh, which you opened in October 2020. And just to make it quick, so you had a <laughs> beautiful, amazing space out of fire. You have to renovate it. But then um, you reopened um, in November last year as completely... Um, newly renovated space, uh, which is stunningly beautiful. So, so what is the concept of this um, combined restaurant concept, 15 East at Tokyo? Well, th thank you for the, for the, for the compliment. Um, so um, as we were all trying to figure it out on the fly how to uh, navigate this COVID thing, we didn't know how long it was going to last and how to manage and uh, we all antsy and uh, we always uh, wanted to, to come back as quickly as possible. And uh, so in October of 2020, uh, so it's a few months after we had shut down because of the COVID, we were able to reopen the, the restaurant uh, with a ter outdoor terrace, which uh, more than double our capacity. So we had both our teams from 15 East and Tocqueville working together in the same uh, uh, restaurant space, and I created a menu that would be, uh, you know, I hate to use confusion, uh, no fusion, no confusion. I hate to say we don't do uh, fusion, um, but you know, again, we we I did a uh, a menu that would match very very well as much as possible without being. Uh, you know, uh, uh, too cute. And, uh, and actually, 
um, people really loved the two concepts. A lot of the clientele came to both restaurants and uh, they loved, uh, you know, they matched the, the raw fish with the, with the French and um, we had no idea, but it was, uh, it became, uh, it was a huge hit. Yeah, it was very, it went, you know, it, it was very well received, uh, you know, as, as, uh, as the two concepts as with one. Mm. Well, I, I also heard that um, actually one of the customers at Tocqueville asked for uh, 15 years sushi. <laughs> yeah, he said to get $2 away, so just bring me. And because uh, yeah. it's bigger, we used to do that, right? <laughs> that is true. So for a few few customers, a few regulars that, you know, they, they knew, you know, uh, you know, we we would uh, make the exception to bring in food from uh, Tocqueville to 15 East and vice versa. So uh, it didn't seem right to, to say no since we're like uh, basically just next door to each other. So yeah, we did that uh, quite a bit. Right. Well, when I heard about the episode, I was really impressed because people used to say that the smell of soy sauce and butter fight against each other and it's, it's impossible to combine them on one table. I but love butter with soy sauce. So I, 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 I don't... <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, if you put the butter and then the soy sauce on very steaming hot rice, it's just heavenly. So, um, but people didn't imagine to put them together, but you proved it really works to be able to have fresh uh, raw fish and classically um, created a very beautifully sauce-based cuisine. So, yeah, I really found 15 years at Tocqueville is very interesting and very successful, uh, not just as a restaurant business, but also the concept of what he can you, people can enjoy without choosing genre. You just want to eat good food and hopefully in one place because you want to go out with friends with different preferences. So, yeah, I really think you did something amazing. So the fin- thank you very much for saying that. So uh, I, I think uh, uh, more often than not, people uh, will like to combine. They like the idea of having the Japanese side of the menu with the French. And uh, I would say that uh, 95% of the guests, when they come here, they'll, they'll go like the direction of the combination or just sushi. So very seldom uh, people want, uh, we only want the, the sushi. Maybe they'll come in, have a little sashimi, and then have a little sushi afterwards. Uh, but um, the most popular menu that we sell, actually, it's a, uh, it's a uh, five-course tasty menu, which includes uh, some raw fish, includes uh, uh, chawamushi, and uh, as well as the... the uh, European uh, style uh, menu as well. Mm, right, and also um, I think you have uh, sashimi omakase and uh, those different additional menu you can add to other French dishes and I think it's fascinating because um, I see all those um, raw fish items like ceviche kind of or crudo in many non-Japanese restaurants, which is the same idea, a refreshing raw fish and enjoy with richer food. So to me, that's very natural rather than kind of, you know, new ideas. It's pretty <laughs> kind of classic idea. 
uh, that's being accepted in New York City dining scenes? For, for me, I never saw a difference between, um, yes, if you're doing very uh, traditional Japanese uh, cuisine versus, uh, you know, uh, classical uh, French, but I never see uh, uh, a line between the two. So, for instance, um, I was lucky to uh, work with uh, Barry Wine at the Cote Giraffe. And back in the day, he also liked to play around with some Japanese ideas, not going, uh, you know, too too crazy, but certainly would see an influence of his of of uh, of both the Japanese and the French in his restaurant. So I wouldn't say that Barry called his his restaurant one or the other, but you know, one food critic, for instance, at the time said was the best Japanese restaurant in. Uh, in, in the United States, even though we didn't see ourselves as being a Japanese restaurant, but mm. you know, we gladly took the the compliment for sure. And uh, mm. but you know, this is a all part of the progression. So the original Tokville, I already uh, served uh, a lot of sakes uh, by the bottle and by the glass. This is back in two thousand. Uh, I had uh, tempura. I had. Uh, uh, custard. I had sashimi on the menu. So this is uh, uh, really uh, an evolution of uh, what I've been doing for for you know my four year career. So it's always sort of yo kind of like uh, I can connect the dots and you know, oh sort of make sense. I'm I'm reinventing re 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 uh, reinventing uh, recipes or or new dishes, but. Maybe the techniques are all sort of the same and, uh, evolu- uh, uh, you know, there's a, a natural evolution that's not so forced. Mm, right. And also, I think uh, globally, uh, all the distribution of ingredients are improving, improving especially fish. Um, here in New York City, you can have sushi-grade fish at any restaurant. Um, so, um, yeah, so... What what do you think? Uh, if our, our listeners go to the restaurant and then like want to order something, like, what's the the best way to enjoy those concepts? Well, um, I think um, you know if you want a very elegant uh, uh, evening and and you want to stay here and you have uh, three hours to to enjoy dinner. For sure, the dining room will give you that kind of experience. And as a lot of people do, they'll come in and have the, the tasty menu. So, uh, and, and just even put their hands, you know, put it, be, be in the hands of the sommelier so he can uh, surprise you with the food, he can surprise you with the wine. Um, you know, if you want, if you just, you know, you want, it's a regular. Maybe it's not uh, a night that you want to be here for three and a half hours and you want to just have three courses, then come in and, and uh, you know, again, you, you, uh, you're not, uh, you can create your own menu and you can start with a little uh, sashimi and then, uh, you know, have a beautiful piece of uh, fish or, or steak for dinner and, and a dessert. And it doesn't have to be a, that kind of a experience, but certainly you, you can, you have a choice and you can, go either direction you don't need to even have uh, a preconceived uh, idea what your evening is going to be you have uh, add-on things that you can add to your tasting menu for instance um, 
the Omakase room actually is opening next week. So uh, there will be one room that's completely dedicated to having uh, a 20-course uh, all uh, sushi, sashimi, uh, omakase style dining. Mm. Right. I know the sushi chef uh, who used to be at uh, Kyoya, that was, it's an amazing restaurant. Um, Katsushi, uh, Katsushi Sakai, right? He was an amazing chef, so he's going to... Well, he, 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 he is an amazing chef, yes. He's been with us since actually... Uh, um, we uh since uh, 2020 and uh so we've had the chance to to work all this time and he's been manning the 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 sushi uh menu for for the restaurant uh he's incredible yes he he has he's uh so passionate about uh edo style sushi which is as as you you know it's the you know the purest more straightforward uh, all emphasis on uh, on the sushi style of, uh, of the cuisine. Mm, right, so as classic as your other French dishes, although they're not heavy, very light. So, yeah, this is amazing. So, um, by the way, um, you know, I guess we can say now that sushi has become part of American cuisine at this point. Uh, for example, in New York, sushi is available at supermarkets and delis, and there are I heard approximately 19,000 sushi restaurants in America. And also there are around 23,000 Japanese restaurants in the whole country. So, uh, but I heard that back in 1960s, people loathed the idea of eating raw fish. So why do you think sushi is so widely accepted nowadays in the U.S. and in the world? Mm-hmm. As a side note, uh, one of my first gigs and my, uh, my sensei, he was going back to Japan, and he wanted to take me to uh, Japan to open a sushi restaurant with him. But instead, I uh, opted for another uh, gig, which was to have my own sushi concession at Dino De Luca at the time. It was uh, 1980, 1990, no, sorry, 1988, 89. And Dino De Luca had just opened their uh, flagship store in Soho. And... Uh, from my uh, sushi catering days, the GM of the store in uh, Georgia De Luca, they they uh, had me come in and uh, you know uh, put a proposal for them, and that was uh, the f- the first supermarket that had sushi, I think, in New York at the time. So that was, I was doing that then, also, and and after that, uh, I became also a sushi consultant, and I went to uh, help. Uh, Harry's Teeter, which is a chain of supermarkets, they have hundreds of stores, and uh, I helped them uh, organize and set their sushi program for them as well. So, so it doesn't surprise me when you say it's so it's become so popular. This is this well, first of all, it's it's uh, super healthy, right? Number one, it's uh, delicious. Number two, um, what's not to like? Uh, you know, uh, it, it's become so popular that uh, it, it's it's almost uh, expected choice in a lot of the gourmet shops. You're looking for them, and uh, you know, people just go for it. And you know, it doesn't have to be um, you know fine dining sushi. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, stores uh, selling, and you know, 
maybe you're not gonna find the more expensive uh the fish that's is maybe it's not a, a freshness thing maybe it's just the you know if it's farm raised or if it's uh you know depending of where it's imported from so it, it can you know it became very popularized uh that way because it's 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 delicious and people want it and you know there is different uh degrees of uh, uh of expectations for for any cuisine and you know that that was translated to sushi as well mm, right yeah i mean nowadays in new york um, there are so many like over 300 per person authentic sushi restaurants that's rooted from japan and also there's some non-japanese amazing sushi chefs and classically trained at those places but um i don't think we should uh, ever never forget that someone like you who really opened the door how to enjoy sushi more broadly than um exclusive sushi places so yeah we really admire what you did and uh and especially 15 years at Tokyville, i think it's a it's almost reflecting who you are right your cultural background and uh the experience it's in one place so it's not the concept it's about the representative idea of who you are that you really express at 15 years Tokyo. I would I would agree with you that uh, you know as I'm creating an idea of a restaurant and my even the menu it's it's almost in a in a selfish selfish way that I'm doing it because I want to have the best of both worlds and and I'm betting that my guests want to uh, the same experience so I I'm betting on on my taste and and my expectations and uh, and sort of like uh, you know uh, you know get, you know imagining like an ideal uh, setting for like um, an amazing uh, experience that will include a little bit of uh, all of the above. Mm, right. Okay. So, what are your plans and dreams? Ooh, plans and dreams. Take take over the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you can. <laughs> well, we um we're 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 just relaunching our uh in Tokville, which was uh, a two year uh, process almost. We we had the devastating fire and uh with all the delays and stuff it took uh you know a, a a year and a half to to get uh, open, so um, I I feel that the restaurant is uh, still growing, developing, and and uh, and uh, you know requiring a lot of uh, attention. Uh, but you know, my dream would be to uh, make this uh, restaurant uh, be like my my past restaurants, uh, you know, uh, running very well and rebuilding. Uh, you know, a loyal clientele as I've had, and and uh, make as uh, great restaurants as it can be. And with our old space next door, we actually uh, uh, want to do a uh, a uh, a different concept of a restaurant. It'll be more of a tapas, a little bit less uh, uh, formal than Tokyo and Fifteen East, uh, but you know, still fine dining, just a little bit uh, more informal than what we're doing here. Mm, right wow i can't wait to see what's gonna happen in the next tour so yeah keep me posted and uh so where can we find your updates online and on social media 
So um, we have our uh, Instagram. It's 15 East at uh, Tocqueville. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, we, we have a, uh, a e-blast uh, a newsletter that we send periodically to our guests. And uh, if anyone would like to receive that, just send us a, 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 a quick note on our website and it'll, uh, it makes it very easy for you to uh, reach reach us uh, if you go on our website just go on the contact um, we we send out we have about 30,000 uh, names in our newsletter that we reach out uh, you know every uh, two three weeks with uh, new menus and uh, ingredients and any news or, or anything you just try to stay in contact with our our uh, our friends uh, that way Mm. Right. So the uh, 15 East at Tocqueville, you spell out everything, right? 15 East at Tocqueville. And then Correct. you can get the website mm-hmm. and the Instagram, social media. Yes. Great. Wonderful. So, um, yeah, so thank you so much for joining us again today, Marco, and uh, good luck. Akiko, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be invited back to your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or at yukatehma.com. Japanese is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. I'm Jenny Zaman's pension and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Spanish is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.